our clients right now, they may be saying, oh my God, you know, the market's down, our profit share is down. So we meet them where they are and then we hopefully build them to a state where they want to be. So how do we connect with their current situation of depletion, depravity, failure, to a place of hope into the future? Things will always turn around. Right now we have financial stress, we're gonna to come to financial abundance. The challenge to us is to build that relationship with our clients in trust because customer loyalty is everything. And loyalty is built over time. It's not in the moment, it's in a future state. And typically the greatest trust is born out of times of hopelessness to times of prosperity in the future. In 2023, say goodbye to operational constraints and skewed demand predictions. Printful Enterprise is here to take all of that off your plate with white-label on-demand production. Reach your global customer base with more cost efficiency than ever and offer them a wide range of premium quality products from apparel to home decor. Printful will fulfill pack and ship orders all under your brand. Team up with a player who will always be dedicated to your growth. Team up with Printful Enterprise. We did at D2C and we've never looked back. Learn more at printful.com enterprise. That's printful.com enterprise. Join the team. It's all killer, no filler. I'm Eric Dick, and this is the D2C Podcast. Today, we decided to come to the table with something totally different, something we haven't done before. And I'll let Kyle uh, explain a little bit about why we brought Mr. Peter McCoppin onto the podcast. Certainly, yeah. Um, Peter's been a, a longtime uh, friend and uh, mentor to, to Pilot House. Um, we've, we've had the luxury of working with him in, in you know, leadership training, um, certain consulting, and uh, a lot of his lessons have guided us in how we've approached uh, our, our model, our culture, our business. And uh, I just wanted to give the audience a chance to maybe learn a thing or two from, from him also as we go into 2023 uh, with a little uncertainty. Speaking of the uncertainty of 2023, I think it's on everybody's minds. Everyone appears to be, January is always a little sluggish, I feel like, as people are kind of get their plan for the year in gear, but there feels to be an extra sluggishness with a lot of apprehension about the potential chaos ahead of us in 2023. Peter, what what's your theory on chaos and how to sort of thrive in it in organizations like the ones in our audience? Thank you so much. And, and just thank you for the privilege of, of joining your, your conversation today. So chaos and crisis, almost one of the same, always invite opportunity. An opportunity for each and every one of us to dig deep into our resourcefulness, to confront our fears, to test and temper our resilience and resolve, to adapt, and then to carve a brilliant new path forward to a brighter future. So there is only opportunity in this current situation. When we say that... <clears throat> We're looking at things with fresh eyes. That's what crisis does or chaos does. It compels us to take another look, to do things differently. Dr. David Bohm was the founder of the Implicate Theory of Quantum Physics. He said, it's more important to think differently than the knowledge gained. So to take a different perspective, a different point of view, to, to challenge our habitual practice. When things are going smoothly, we're almost mindlessly moving forward. When, when we hit the wall, we have to really be very resourceful. And that's that resourcefulness that will get us to a new state of being. Then two, to push through our fear. I mean, what is fear? It's a projection from past experience into the future. False evidence appear real, it's false. And then to test and temper our resilience and resolve. Are we gonna stand strong and how do we do that? Reaffirming our values, the core of who we are. Pilot House has grown exponentially, phenomenally in such a short period of time. How has the company done that? From the inside out, from 
character, from core values, from the essential part of the soul of the company. It has grown organically, progressively, systematically from that center. And then to adapt. I mean, the, the, the measure of the intelligence of any organization is based on two principles, the ability to assess, assimilate, and apply new knowledge, and the ability to adapt within strategic imperatives of speed and range are critical. So this is a golden opportunity, a golden opportunity. And we think of those people who we most admire. Those are the ones who have walked through the fire and have reinvented themselves with even more mindfulness, greater intention, and determination. And then even before that, like you were speaking earlier to this idea, everyone feels like they're in a unique point in history. And, and with all that's happening, with the way the media is, with the way AI is taking over, it feels very much like we're in this, uh, you know, we're heading towards a singularity or, or some great cataclysm or some great rebirth or something. But you're sort of saying this is something that happens cyclically throughout time all to generations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Eric. We study history not to understand the past, but only to anticipate the future. So if we, if we look back 90 years, we'll see a scenario which in so many ways is a mirror to where we are right now. What is that scenario? It is disruption, collapse, and renewal. Disruption, Henry Ford's invention of the assembly line. It changed industry forever. And then collapse followed there. What was that? That was the Great Depression. And what came after that? Roosevelt's New Deal. So here we have, yes, indeed, disruption, AI, SpaceX, Twitter, Facebook, name it, whatever, robotics, all kinds of things. Collapse, perhaps to an, to an extent that we've never experienced before, because it seems to be on all fronts, financial, physical, whatever, the earth, whatever, all Spiritual. these kinds of things. So what's on the other side of this is equal and opposite unto it. Newton's first law, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And I think the invitation, I was just thinking about this in, in anticipation of our call today, the invitation to us is to give people hope for the future. Why are we afraid? Why does fear emerge? Because we cannot see the future. We stand in awe of the darkness before us. We don't know what to expect. So how do we provide our clients and each other comfort from the current demise and depletion to future hope? Now that would be, if that's the quest, it's amazing what we can come up with. And, and the solution will not be rational, it'll be intuitive. You bring up Henry Ford and the, the example I've, I've heard about that I love was that before the car, the cities of the United States were choking on horse shit, literally just choking their gutters. They were getting cholera. They're getting all these different things. They had this huge horse shit problem. And then all of a sudden this revolution comes along and within five to 10 years, that that problem went away. There wasn't there, you know, there's other problems that were created by the car, but the upside was that this new paradigm totally shifted this huge problem the society was having. And, and, and again, it's not, it's these second order positive effects that are going to happen. We just see, like you say, the dark cloud of unsurety, but in, as you say, every action is going to have an equal opposite reaction. There will all be the, these huge silver linings and these huge problems that are solved as we shift paradigms. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to identify what is our current state? If we're wanting to support people, what is our current state? And to be really sober about that. Let's just be really, let's just drive on the data. data. Where are we right now? Let's be really specific. And below that, what are our dissatisfied needs? 
our dissatisfied needs, our clients' dissatisfied needs. Let's contemplate what would great look like. And let's just do it in rather pictorial philosophical terms. And from there, determine our strategic imperatives, the how, not the what, of what, what, how we'll get from where we are now to where we want to be. The how. The how is the critical thing. So um, to which extent then, I'm just thinking about our, our clients right now. They may be saying, oh, my God, you know, the market's down, our, our, our profit share is down, whatever else. So we meet them where they are. I mean, in any kind of relationship, we meet people where they are, and then we hopefully build them to a, a state where they want to be. So this is where they are now. So how do we connect with their current situation of hope, we'll say, of, of depletion, of depravity, of, of failure, to a place of hope into the future? And I had this, I don't know, you, you, you're all much more astute in business than I, but I just thought to myself, hmm, how do we build that bridge? And so we, we look at certain companies and they say, well, you know, it's just New Year's and you've spent all your money and so forth. We're going to, you can buy something at the brick warehouse right now and you don't have to pay until 2025. What have they just done? They've honored the current state of, of their client, but they've also given them hope to the future, which is mutually beneficial. So how do we build that in? If we were to say, well, you know, maybe you should just drop your prices by 10% and then in the, in the future, give a 5% credit for having done that for on future purchases down the road. Things will always turn around. We've seen that throughout. Right now, we, we, we have a, a financial stress. We're going to come to financial abundance. It just That's just the way the world works. For every action, there's equal opposite reaction. The challenge to us is to build that relationship with our clients in trust, because customer service is nothing. Customer loyalty is everything. And loyalty is built over time. It's not in the immediate. It's not in the moment. It's in a future state. It's building that continuity. And typically, the greatest trust is born out of times of hopelessness to times of prosperity and great hope in the future. One of the things that I hear, uh, I'm hearing a lot in the space, is in, especially in this D2C e-commerce fast growth environment, people are always talking about doubling. They're talking about, oh, let's, you know, it's actually, D2C was lucky enough, we worked hard enough, we doubled in, and I know Pilot House has been doubling for the past few years as well, but I've heard that really, like, when you look at companies over time, over the long haul, doubling is great. If you can double every year for your business's existence, that's amazing, but you look at companies that have $10 billion in profit at this point, and they they had years and years and years where they're humming at 8, 9, 10% growth, like, and so this idea that's imperative, I think, that's very, you know, that's in our space very heavily about needing to double, needing to have these huge huge hockey stick growth curves. I also feel like now is a time to to think about that long-term play, as you say as well, not, you know, temper your growth goals potentially, right? Absolutely. It's always the long-term. It's always the long-term. And it's it's how it, it evens out over time. Yes, maybe there's going to be a 50% growth and then there's going to be a 10% growth and a 12% and then a 90% growth. Well, how does that average out over time? And definitely to meet people where they are now. We have to play, if we want to play the game, we got to play by the rules, so to say. And what, what, this is the current context. So how can we be most effective within that? And certainly with companies that are saying, oh my God, you know, our, our sales are down, our, our profits are down and so forth. Yes, but, but to which we would say, yes, but $1 is more than zero. So how, how are we going to deal with that to be quite pragmatic? Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, when we apply this, to you know, these principles to organizational leadership, like what are what are the factors in this construct that make 
a great leader that, that can really help see an organization through to the long term? Well, I think a few principles of Einstein would be really helpful. In the first place, to see that this crisis is an opportunity. That, that it's absolutely an opportunity to see things with fresh eyes, to, to dig deep into our resourcefulness, to build new tools, new resource, whatever that is, new practice. To see, to look into the shadow side of our business and not just into the light, where there are going to be secrets that we've never explored before. How fantastic is that? Einstein said, well, Einstein said a lot of things that were brilliant. Two things in particular. He said, uh, a problem cannot be solved from the same consciousness that created it. So in other words, what got us here will not get us there. So let's just contemplate that for a moment. He also said that at first, if an, if an idea does not appear to be absurd, it has no future. So what? let's contemplate the impossible, but let's do it very constructively. So say, what's our current reality for us and our clients? What's our current reality? Let's be really, really sober about that. Let's, let's dig into the, the hard facts, the brutal facts and the truth. Let's where we are. And then let's just go below that. What are our dissatisfied needs? Because dissatisfaction drives change. And then contemplate what the future would look like and then come back to those strategic imperatives. How do we get from where we are to where we want to be? So the other thing, I think, in terms of leadership, leadership is creating a condition, thinking about, for example, um, Malcolm Gladwell, the tipping point. Context defines behavior. So we want to create a context within which people can lift themselves up. It's the Bernoulli principle. You know, we don't lift them. We create a context within which. So in other words, any idea is great and a great idea. We're going to enlist what we would call distributed cognition. Great ideas can come from anywhere. Let's just storm that. And let's give each other the psychological and emotional space just to show up and to be bold and creative. And the wilder it sounds, perhaps the better. I think of that as I think of Pilot House as a company, you know, I started at employee number 17, it's now 166 people. And the way it has grown uh, is, it's funny, I think of Pilot House, it's a house for pilots. It's sort of like a, it's a structure, a place where you can go, but you still get to be top gun. You still get to go and fly often where you want to fly, fly how you want to fly. And that's why Pilot House succeeds is on the creativity of these people that have been given this construct that gets them to act as if they've got an invisible thread running through their chest. And that's the context, the Bernoulli principle of the organization that's that's been created here that kind of like gives people that uplift. I happen to be, I'm lucky, you know, in this position where I've been given this opportunity to build uh, this, this company with Pilot House, I'm an example for the company to be like, okay, here's what happens when you really can lift off, right? You get to create your own thing and and run with it and have your own team. And, and so I feel like my business and Pilot House, the way, the way this all fits together just creates this context for people to be able to be self-led to some degree. Yes, we want to enlist autonomy. And people support what they create. When people have authorship in their own decision, they will follow through, they will do amazing things. We're not going to give, you talk about leadership, we're not there to direct. We're there to ask great questions because everyone on the team has all the answers they need already within them. You know, Michelangelo said the image is in the stone, he just takes away the excess. That's all leadership does, takes away the excess to reveal that which is inherent. And I'm thinking too that the solution to something that we've never experienced before, it's not rational. It's not, oh, we're we're not gonna call upon past practices. You know, we think about best practice. Well, we've done it this way all the time. We're going to just apply that a little bit more rigorously in the future. No, it's not going to come rationally or reasonably. It's going to come intuitively. 
have a, a, a tape of um, famous quotations of Einstein. My God, what a mind. And he said, you know, I think about something 90 times. I uh, just really putting my hard focus on that. Then I forget it. And out of the blue, out of the blue, something intuitive comes to me. So when I was just in, in anticipation of being with you all today, I just took a walk, just had a walk. And I thought, hmm, okay. So if the scenario is how do we, how do we support our people and our clients from a state of depletion, entropy, whatever, to a place of hope? Okay, that's the, that's the request. How do we do that? This is this to this. It's very philosophical. Now, having asked that very specific question, how do we build that constructively? And that's where I came up with this idea. Well, maybe we reduce something and then we have a credit to the future. But the goal is to meet people where they are, acknowledge where they are, match to them in this current state, and then help them to, to connect with ourselves to a future state, which is both uh, building a great relationship, but it's also building future profit in a very pragmatic way. Kyle, how do you, how does this resonate with you specifically, like in the in the challenges that the agency, you know, experiences over the course of a year, how does this resonate? Yeah, good question. Um, I mean, we, again, we've just had the luxury of working with Peter for so long now. And so, um, you know, I've, I've certainly, you know, taken in a lot of, a lot of what he is saying in the past. And, uh, you know, we've certainly applied that to how we've built, you know, our leaders within our teams or how people have, you know, just created this, you know, incredible culture that we have. But without doing that, talking too much about about, about that specifically, I, I think like ultimately this idea of not looking at things in a closed off fear centric way and, and treating and trusting your team and, and your ability uh, to think abundantly, to to be aggressive where you think that there is an opportunity and, and to to rally and, and build community around these ideas, like you said, Eric, uh, is really the thing that I think has you know, you know, people talk about companies and differentiators and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, re realistically, beyond the technology, beyond our process, beyond our, our, our ability, really the culture, this, this all winning culture thing really is, is the is the thing that 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 keeps us moving forward. And, you know, gives gives us confidence going in, into the next year. There's obviously specific strategy and client communication and, you know, traffic strategies and, and, and deal optimization and all these things that, that Peter's talking about. But ultimately, you know, we encourage creativity, we encourage people to be leaders, we encourage authorship, and we support people at all costs. A great example of that was just this past week where, you know, uh, AI and chat is on us like a hurricane, fastest growing tech platform of, of all time, potentially. And, you know, Pilothouse, Jeff, uh, co-founder at D2C and Pilothouse, of course, uh, came up with a, a contest. I think the execs came up with this idea of a contest that would be run uh, for Pilot House employees just to just to provide ideas and uh, instances where AI helps reduce or improve the workflow within our organization. And to me, it's a good example of that like crisis opportunity type thing. People are like, oh, our jobs are going to be replaced by robots and AI soon. And instead of that, you think about, no, like how can we be, you know, cyborgs and, and be 10 times more productive or cost effective in what we do by leveraging the technology? Yeah, Eric, that's a really good point. You know, and I think the difference is we'll follow through on that. So someone's going to win two grand or whatever it is for their contribution. We also incentivize the shit out of ideas. So we, we empower ideas, we pay people for them. We make them leaders for those ideas. And so, um, you know, ultimately someone's going to make some cash and we'll build it. Like we're going to go and build it. We'll, we'll build a team around it. We'll, we'll follow through. And, um, you know, that's one, one example of, you know, 
riding the wave of chaos <laughs> is, is, is figuring out how to monetize it, which goes into like opportunity. Um, and monetization can be in the form of cost savings or, you know, actual scale out profitability in, in, a, in a new vertical category or, or department. Um, so that's just kind of how we treat things. And ironically, you know, we've always said, I mean, even the businesses before Pilot House, we've always said, automate yourself out of a job. We've always encouraged people to find hacks to save time, to work a four-hour work week. I don't care if you're able to build technology that allows you to work four hours a week and manage the tech to do it. Like, go do it. And so now it's just there's all these tools that are available beyond Zapier and, you know, working with, you know, people in, in uh, alternative markets um, for cost savings specifically. Um, there's going to be all this great opportunity to advance our, our industry and advance our client success and, you um, you know, we're just leaning into it as, a, as opposed to being afraid to it. We're going to invest into it. And we've made some other big uh, investments this year, purchasing headless uh, commerce technology, because we know that we're going to be able to, you know, add 20% to all of our clients' bottom line just by speeding up their their, their, their Shopify experience. We've proven that. So, so, yeah, we just, again, back to abundance mindset over a fear mindset, I think is the main takeaway for me. And I think that that's the thing that I'm holding on to is, that's something our, our, our team believes in, and uh, we're, just, we're just going for it. I think there's great power in questions <clears throat> and how we can turn things around. I'll give you an example to that. I have a friend, Jason Dorland. He was uh, an Olympic rower, 1988 Olympics in Seoul. And he coaches a lot of young people now. And so the power of the question. So when they have a bad race... And they feel, you know, they feel depleted, they feel frustrated, they feel whatever, maybe even shame. He will say, how can this be the best thing that could have happened to you today? So if we were to say, how can this current financial crisis, this chaos, be the best thing that could have happened to us today? What can we learn that we've never done before? What will we keep and pass practice and pay forward? What will we discard because it has, is no longer relevant? What can we change? What can we add? These are great questions. Great questions. So the power of the question elicits what's already within us. I mean, one could say Leonardo da Vinci, arguably the greatest creative mind of the past, what, 500 years. He, he had many principles, many, many principles by which he was able to, to create so fantastically. And that's documented in a book by Michael Gelb called How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. And the best of the, all of his disciplines was this. So all these are in Italian. So the first one was sfumato. What does that mean? Fumato means smoke. Fumato means smoked. Sfumato means up in smoke. In other words, the greatest opportunity is in ambiguity, paradox, and uncertainty. You say, I don't know. Great. Okay, now we can do something. Rather than say, oh, I can fall back on past practice. I can lean into something that I've done before. I sort of know a little bit about this. I'll just expand it. No, I don't know anything. Great. How fantastic that is. And, and so the power of the question, and, and, and the more precise, the more incisive, the more exact, the more surgical the question, the more precise, clear, compelling the answer. Um, in in, in complementing what, what Kyle was just saying, with all this, you know, the, the wizardry of, of AI, the one thing that AI will never be able to do is to build a personal relationship. A per, that's where people are, will always be essential. And what does everybody want? I mean, we've, we've heard the expression, people may forget what you said, they'll never forget the way you made them feel. You can use all the technology you like, but how do they feel? 
How do they feel? Mary Kay, she built a great empire. She said, people won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We want to build a relationship. Let's care even more deeply for each other. Let's care even more deeply for our clients to meet them where they are and somehow to help them to amplify their dreams, to get them out of the darkness of where they are to a brighter state. Normally here, you'll hear my announcer voice telling you about one of our partner's great e-commerce SaaS businesses, but today I get to tell you about my thing and invite you to C-Suite Mastermind, Las Vegas, March 23rd and 24th, 2023. In September, we ran our first in-person mastermind in Victoria, British Columbia. It was a smash success and a clear sign to keep bringing together the top minds of our industry for concentrated learning and relationship building events. So now we can all meet up in Las Vegas, March 23rd and 24th, just to head of shop talk check out directtoconsumer.co slash events to see the lineup of amazing mentors we're bringing to the table including the midday squares trio the founders and operators behind obvi collagen mini katana kuru footwear and more so whether you're building in cpg health apparel or even bladed weaponry we're going to have the content and connections at c-suite that make a serious impact to your results in 2023 so that's directtoconsumer.co slash events viva las vegas and let's go uh, it made me when you were talking about the, the questions that you're asking in organizations, the answers you're looking for. It reminds me of the proverb of the guy that wins some money, and they said that's a good thing, right? And he said, "Let's see." And then he gets robbed from the money, and they said, "Oh, you just got robbed. That's bad." And he said, "Let's see." And then he got injured being robbed, so then he couldn't be drafted into the king's terrible war that saved. So it saved him from going to war and and dying. So he's, it's always sort of like it makes me think reality lives in this quantum state. We're talking about Einstein. We're talking about quantum theory, and so comfortability with chaos and with, you know, Schrodinger's cat of whether it's alive or not, it's going to, going to help you. Tom Peters wrote a book called Thriving on Chaos. Great book. And his fundamental premise was this, dash routine routinely. In other words, oh, we've always done it this way. No, let's dash routine routinely. So what would that mean? Uh, Repot yourself every 10 years, uh, raise yaks, raise orchids, surround yourself with outsiders, take a different path to work every day, and not only surround yourself with outsiders, surround yourself with wacko outsiders. So let's get people, let's talk with people who are so different from us that we say, oh my God, that person knocks me off my pins. I can't f come back to any sort of reliable and proven stance because I'm just, I'm just floating in space here. Great, great. And I would think, I think in anything, you know, a lot of different people. I know an astro astronomer who lives here on, on the island. Now, interesting thing. So here's an astronomer who actually failed mathematics. You think if you're an astronomer, you have to be brilliant in math. Well, he couldn't do math. Doesn't matter. Just like Richard Branson is so dyslexic, he couldn't read a spreadsheet to save his life. You don't need to. All he needs is creativity. He needs the creative spark. That's all we need too. The tools, someone else can ma manufacture those or they're out there somewhere, as long as we have the concept. So this man, as a, as, as a strong, and he discovered quasars, pulsars, black holes, and all kinds of stuff. And how did he do that? He'd wake up in the night and say, you know, I can't prove it. I sort of have a feeling that. And when we come back to that intuitive sense, that heart intelligence, you know, we've never done it this way, but I just wonder, and that will come when we see where we are and sort of ideally where we would like to be. And as soon as that's clear, the intuitive sense will say, hmm, like I'll see. You said, I'll see, we'll just see. Let's suspend assumptions and judgment, see what shows up. It's quite amazing. 
Peter O'Toole was a great actor, obviously. <clears throat> I love metaphors. I think there's great learning and sort of lateral referencing. <clears throat> a great actor uh, for 55 years. And um, he was once asked, what was the greatest direction you ever had? Even someone who could direct Peter O'Toole, I think is phenomenal. And he said, this is all he said, not bigger, deeper. Everything I'm saying is going back to that same thing. Everything we need to know is already here. It's already there. So going back to Leonardo, in, in, in the times of Leonardo, there was string theory, there were black holes, quasars, pulsars, peptides, name it. It was all there, but nobody asked the question. It was all there. When we say discovery, just take off the, the lid. Just It's already there. All the answers that we need are within us. Let's just create a, a condition where people feel psychologically, emotionally supported, safe, just to be deep, go deeply into themselves. In that in a kind of chaotic, adventuresome, you know, what, what, what is that, um, the movie? Um, da da dum da 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 Indiana <laughs> Jones? Yeah, like Indiana Jones. <laughs> hey, they're making a new one. Oh, There's really? Coming back. Oh, yeah, they're trotting them back out there. This this is I, I have a good friend who's recently started seeing a into an intuitive coach, uh, and it's it's quite a, an on vogue thing. Is is sort of this idea, and, and I I fully agree. Like honestly, almost all of my success it's come from from working hard, but it's also come from be, coming from being able to to live in that intuitive space. To whether it comes to the connections that I'm able to make for the events that we pull, or writing in my when we first started the newsletter, writing in like my true voice, my true humor, my you know my true wit, like just and all the good things that we've come from that have come from my side of the business have come from I think living in that intuitive space. So I, I, it resonates for sure. Absolutely love it. So within, so the culture is already there at Pilot House. So people are invited to thrive in their own way, in their own uniqueness. Just go for it and we'll love you for it. There it is. Just do it. All you need is already within you. Just go. We think of the word education. Etymology is always fascinating. So education comes from two Latin words, ex out of ducer lead. Education is the process by which people are invited to actualize, to lead out what is inherent. It's already there. Plato said you can't teach someone something they didn't already know. It's very simple. So uh, everything that, that pilot house, the pilot house needs to know is already within them. Just create a condition where they can just strip away the, the um, superficial whatever exterior and the essence is all there. It's amazing. That obviously applies to, to listeners, their businesses too. You know, you just replace Pilot House with, with, with your company name and um, really open up your thinking around, around how to empower your teams to, to be creative and come up with ideas. Peter, I loved uh, I loved the leader the leadership workshop that we did, and there's there's some things I still do on a regular basis. Literally, the the snapping, that you know, that calming centering technique you spoke about about kind of getting in rhythm, uh, is something that I've really really taken to heart. What else are is something that you'd like to leave our audience with about uh, about leadership through trying times? Is there any other aspects? I think belief is a huge word. Belief. There's a man here in, in Victoria, I, I much admire him, Richard LeBlanc is his name, and he's devoted much of his life to supporting homeless people. They're just people. They're in a circumstance, they see the world in a certain way, and that's the way they see the world. And his, his motto has is, is always been, I will believe in you until you can believe in yourself. So when we believe in someone. Um, Dr. David Bohm, the founder of the Implicate Theory of Quantum Physics, he said, what we seek is evidenced in what we find. 
That is such, there. that is the basis of the power of intention, the secret, the law of attraction, and so forth. So when we absolutely believe in someone, when we, when, when, when we have all faith that they're going to do something amazing, they probably will. If we think, oh, well, you know, these are tough times. Okay, what's the story we're telling ourselves? Challenge the story. Oh, these are tough times. We're going to have to buckle down. We'll have to double down, you know, just sort of grind through it. That's exactly what we're going to get. It'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So we create a scenario where if there's belief and hope by which we fuel each other's enthusiastic participation. Enthusiasm in itself is amazing. It comes from two Greek words, entheos, in, in, in godliness. In other words, the wisdom of the ages, the, the collective unconscious, whatever, the knowledge of all, all we need is already here. Let's just believe it. Let's just amplify it. Let's support each other with love. Love being the most important behavior that we can bring to any team. Um, there's a guy named Tim Sanders. I, 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 I found a, a blog that he, or whatever it was. I, I don't even know all this terminology. Anyway, he wrote this, this article or whatever you want to call it. It was called Love is the Killer App. He said, love is the killer app. He said, it was, it's not conspicuous accomplishment or imperious power or the mere drive of greed that will make you successful in business. It is love. And what is the definition of love to which he absolutely aligns himself? It's from Milton Meyerhoff. He said, love is the selfless promotion of the growth of another person. Love is the selfless promotion of the growth of another person. And how wonderful is that? And, and the power of that is just enormous. I believe in you. Wow. And see what happens. What we seek is evidence to what we find. If we believe in our people, if we believe in our inherent ability, our heart intelligence, that we can turn this, this, these lemons into lemonade, we will. It's all the story. It's just the story. And we, we, it's, it's just up to us to, to elect that. It's a choice. This was proven in this year's uh, Nobel Prize for Physics, which proved that the universe is neither real nor local. Uh, by expanding on uh, on the double slit ex experiment uh, that I adverge, this is not a physics podcast, but I, it's definitely a, a pet interest of mine. And it really it does sort of prove the secret to some extent that that the universe is made of our expectations for it. Um, if a tree falls in the woods, did it happen? If a human consciousness didn't perceive it, we don't know. So. Anyways, this is ending on a very esoteric note, but I got to say, I love it for the D2C podcast. Well, and the neat thing too, the neat thing is too, is that, you know, metaphors, cross, cross uh, learning is, is so important. That's why something, you know, a quotation, a story, a, a, a whatever, a, a principle from over here can inform over here. Uh, there, from over there, you know, from far over here. That's just how it works. That's why, you know, great teaching always brings in stories, metaphors, analogies, this kind of thing. There we are. Eric, I wonder before we before we jump or whatnot, but Peter, Peter and I had the luxury of uh, having a coffee yesterday. It's kind of how this all came about, uh, one of our regular meetings. But Peter, and not to put you on the spot, but uh, I think it was five. You were talking about leadership traits. I think that there was you know five categories, give give or take. Absolutely, absolutely. So the first thing is integrity. What does that mean? An integration of values to behaviors to actions. So in other words, these are my values. Therefore, these are the behaviors I choose and these are the actions I deliver. The second one would be its consistency. In other words, that there's a reliability, there's something very grounded and certain in that. So that we say what we mean, we mean what we say, our word is our bond. How important is that? How important is that? Absolutely. The third would be vulnerability. In other words, that we're emotionally available. 
that we show ourselves raw and real so that people can say, hmm, okay, I get him, I get her, I understand. Person's emotionally available. The, the individual is, <clears throat> is also then receptive, susceptible, all of these qualities. And then Elbridi allows everyone else to show up in their own authentic self. The fourth thing would be humility. There's a statement from um, the Tao Te Ching in ancient Chinese philosophy, the trees with the heaviest fruit hang closest to the ground. So to be truly humble, look at this, look at this fellow, Connor, Connor Bedard. You know, look at this guy, he's the Canadian, unbelievable. And when asked with, you know, in Sportsnet, so, you know, I have, and he said, you know, you've just broken all the records. He said, I just want to win the game. <laughs> so the eye to we situation, humility, how lovely is that? And then I would say finally, encouragement. When we, so in core, to give, give heart to others, to be there for them. Absolutely. And all of that really is drawn together in that statement of love. So it's going back to, you know, love is the selfless promotion of the growth of another person. And we think about those people who've had a lasting, um, who've lasted in our memories. We, we, we heard the expression, people may, may forget what you said, they'll never forget the way you made them feel. So those people that we carry forward, we say, you know, this was might have been a relationship I just had very briefly with a teacher, with a mentor, with someone I just had a very short encounter with, or it could be a parent or someone like that. And this person showed me a model of behavior that had such a profound effect in my own behavior that I'm paying that forward. I'm paying that forward. And now I show it up with my in my current relationships, and the next the next generation will again pay that forward. Uh, Adler was once asked, what does everybody want? He said, everyone wants to be valued, to be understood, and be, to be significant. When we honor those fundamental needs in anyone, they will show up in their best self. And there's nothing more wonderful than that. There's a Jewish expression, which is nachas, which means reflected glory. When our teammates, our friends, our colleagues do well, we, we stand in the shadow and glory in them in the light. Reflected glory. Is there anything more wondrous than that? Truly, the only things we get to keep are the things we give away. And there's the life everlasting. It just makes me think of our, um, every time we celebrate something on Slack, the amount, sheer amount of emojis that get posted are. <laughs> it's sort exactly. of, our, it, well, it, it, it's, it's the vibe. It's, you know, obviously emojis are a paltry form of love, but uh, you know, just to see the spirit that, 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 and the, the joy that, that teammates celebrate each other's wins in, in an organization like this has been a very valuable thing to be a part of. Cam, you had a, a question or thought. Yeah, Peter, I mean, there's so many different thoughts from all of this conversation, but one of the exercises that you took us through, I guess, I think you probably went through in both of the sessions that we've had with you was some form of like profiling exercise where you've asked everyone in the room to do some some kind of self-assessment and identify, uh, I think in our case, like what, you know, what type of communicator or leader each person was in the room. Um and I, th I, I, not that that's the first time I've done that, but I think in, in small groups or large groups, I think it was so valuable for me specifically to understand how everyone thinks and do it in a transparent way, um, especially when you are in times of chaos to know how people approach problem solving and how people want to be communicated to. That was really, really uh, an effective exercise for me. And I know there's a lot of different ways that you can do it, but I appreciated that quite a bit. And I think that that's something that's stuck with me probably every single day. And honestly, I think like 
I don't know if you can say the same thing, Kyle, but even just like the daily interactions between you and I, like I think about that stuff all the time. So it's been really, really helpful. Yeah, you, you and I have a long working history across a lot of many roles, and it's always been uh, an effective relationship, but certainly communication and, and how we both in, interpret each other over the years has been uh, has been an opportunity for improvement, and, and certainly I, I, I respect and, and feel the same way. I, th- I th- Thank you so much, Cam. Thank you so much for saying that. I, I so appreciate it. I think the thing is we, we want to leverage our strengths, whatever they are. And so we're not there to, to emulate or to, to um, copy someone else's behavior. No, not at all. But really to, to really know who we are. And we can ask, ask those questions, you know, when am, I at my, when am I at my best? What will I never do? What one word best defines me? These are really great questions. Having said that, within communication, I think we have to follow to lead. So we have to we connect with where does that person, where is, his, where is his or her sweet spot? Where do they really thrive? How do they, how do they express themselves? Meet them there and then they will thrive and in turn will echo that back to us and encourage us similarly in our own unique style. Here's my question. How does orchestral conducting, how is it the perfect metaphor for leadership? in a way. Obviously, you're leading this disparate group of people, but are there specific things in sort of what make you a great conductor that also make you a great leader? It's a great question. It's a great question. So in the first place, I don't. I only play one orchestral instrument, which is hardly ever used, piano or celesta, or, or the other keyboard is harpsichord. I don't, I don't play the violin or the trumpet. Do I need to? No, not at all. It's not my job. My job is to provide a clear and compelling vision to which all others will believe. So that's a unifying factor. And then to invite collaboration. So cross-organizational clarity, the sharing of all critical information in real time. So for example, the, you know, the oboe has a solo for, for four bars and direct the attention to the oboe. That means that the trombones have to balance the oboe, have to connect with the oboe, and then it's gonna move to the cellos for eight bars. So now we're putting our all attention. So who's prime leads? That's a fundamental statement. But also we wanna remove obstacles so as to engender, enable, amplify cross-organizational communication. And then I would never say to the oboe, you have to play it this way. I don't play the oboe. I want to create a condition where that person in his or her uniqueness shows up and makes a contribution to which they can put their signature. There it is. Then it's authentic and it's real. So it's not under submission, it's by invitation. Leadership is not imposing, it's invitational. It's not prescriptive, it's provocative. It gives voice to others. And I'm just seeing a conductor and like I'm seeing the the enthusiasm and the love that I bet that is, you know, in your gestures. Like if you were to go up there and do it like a, you know, like Hitler, a really angry statesman or something, right? Uh, you know, it wouldn't work. But I, I can just picture you in these moments and making these incredible real-time communications with a huge group of people and doing it with enthusiasm and with love. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I got an inquiry from Google. This goes back uh, about three years. And so they were looking for someone who was equally a leadership coach and a conductor. They found two people in the States, one in Canada. And, um, and so what they wanted to have was to have an orchestra in Fort Lauderdale and have all their senior people around the orchestra and have the conductor demonstrate how conducting an orchestra is a model for leading a corporation, which it is. It's just as I was, I mean, I've explained it very briefly, but there it is. So I didn't get this engagement. 
doesn't matter, went to Ben Sander, who's awesome. He's in Boston. He already had a relationship with Google. But I've been speaking to some of my colleagues about this. And they said, oh, that'd be a great idea. So people will actually hear, and they'll never forget what micromanagement sounds like. They'll never forget it. They'll never forget it. Or what it's like if, you, if you're crushing the organization, you know, you're just sort of swarming them as opposed to liberating the music. They will hear it. It's, it, it they'll never forget it. Amazing. Well, if you want to make great music in your organization, you should just Google Peter McCop and we'll put it, we'll put a, a link to your name or however you'd like to be, uh, you know, referenced in, in this show note. But I just know you've made a big impact on, uh, on pilot house as an organization and a, a lot of the leaders that have had a chance to kind of work with you directly. And so, yeah, it's awesome to have you part of the all killer, no filler family here. And I think, I hope that our listeners get a lot out of this. Hope so too. We're only here to serve. What a gift. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Kyle. Just so honored to be part of the Pilot House family. So much love to you all. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're not getting the D2C newsletter, you can subscribe for free at directtoconsumer.co. And if you want to learn more about Pilot House's all-killer, no-filler services, take off to pilothouse.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.